1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. If you don't have your copy of God's Word, it's available right here on the screen. But it says this, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For money is a root of all kinds of evil. Uh-oh, my bad. Did I miss? For the love of money. It's, it's funny how, you know, oftentimes when this is quoted, you know, for the, the love is, is, is missed there. But for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Come on, let's pray, family. Father, we're grateful, we're thankful for this moment, for this time, for this space that we share together. And Lord, we thank you uh, that you've called us here in this moment. Lord, help us, uh, God, to get out of this what you want us to see. God, help us to hear what it is that you want us to hear. God, we're not here for some idea, some concept. God, we're not here for God to be inspired or motivated. God, we're here for the transformative power of your word. And so, Lord, I pray that uh, your spirit will give me, uh, God, the, the, the words to communicate to your people, God, so that we can level up to the place that you're calling us up to. And so, Lord, I pray over these next few moments that you remove the distractions and the roadblocks. And God, help us, God, to get from this moment what you want us to receive today. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said. Come on, come on. Everybody said. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Wait till I get my money right. Y'all know that one song? La, 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 la. Y'all know it? Some of you, some of you, wait till I get my money right. (laughs) But we all want to get our money right. But we just don't want to talk about it. Well, we do want to talk about it, but then we don't want to talk about it. We want to talk about it in other circles outside of of church, even though, you know, we respond on a survey, the third highest rated thing we want to talk about this year is personal finances, but we don't don't want to talk about it. And typically with church, there are a couple things, you know, that they say, hey, tread lightly, you know, watch how you talk about these things. That's sex and that's money. Well, today we're talking about money. And then in 2024, been working on the calendar, we're going to be talking about sex. So just go ahead, deal with it. We're going to go there, okay? It's a tough crowd early. I told y'all, loosen up. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. But listen, Jesus' scripture talks about money. Out of uh, 39 parables, 11 of them, he mentions money. Now, I say mention uh, because oftentimes uh, when pastors would have, com- have conversations about money. They say Jesus taught on, on money uh, more than he talked about anything. Well, that's not necessarily true. He used money to illustrate a different point, but he did use money more than other things uh, outside of farming because, well, it was something that people related to. And so he would use money to make another point. Why? Because everyone's talking about money. Money's not a new conversation. Obviously, that means money is an old conversation, and it's one no matter how much you have or don't have, that we all understand and that we all talk about. So today, for the next few moments, 
I'm going to be your financial advisor at the very onset of this conversation. And I'm going to have a conversation as if we were sitting across a table and I was listing some things that, as your financial advisor, that I would encourage you to pay attention to. So that's the angle that we're going to take from the beginning. And then we're going to shift to see something else and different beyond the numbers. So here it is. Here's the first thing I would talk to you about. I would talk about earning. And by the way, you can follow along with these notes in the TBC app. You can download it in the Google Play or Apple Store. You can follow along today. But I would say, hey, let's talk about earnings. What, what, what are you earning? What does that look like? It's a great question to ask. What am I earning? We should know that. If you don't have enough, we should figure out how do I increase my earnings? Do that legally, by the way. But it's a question to ask and a question to pay attention because if there's not enough, well, then it may be that we're not earning enough. And so if we're going to handle our finances well, we need to be aware of what exactly is coming in. What exactly do we have? Which leads us to this next area, spending. Because, you know, oftentimes we can have the prayer, like, Lord, enlarge my territory, but my bank account. <laughs> Let's get some more zeros in there. Help me out. But it's not so much an earning problem. Sometimes it's a spending problem. So the prayer of I don't have enough is like, no, you actually have what you need. But it's your spending that's off. So we have to ask ourselves, do you know where your spending is going? Do I know what I'm spending money on? You would be surprised, like, how much coffee costs at your local coffee shop compared to what it costs at home. I mean, Friday, just celebrate on Friday, but Monday through Thursday, time it, brew, right at the house, right? We were in Sam's the other day. They got a big thing of Folgers. It's not that good, but it'll save you money. <laughs> but you got to pay attention to your spending. What helps you do that? A budget. Right? Do we have a budget? Are we operating off a budget? Well, I'm aware of what's coming in. No, 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 no. Is it written down? If you're married, are you having a conversation about it? Are you having a weekly meeting? Sunday's a good day to do that. Sit down Sunday night, talk about it. Hey, here's what we've, where we've been. Here's where we are. Here's where we're going. Here's what's happening this week. Here's what's happening next month. Devise a strategy, but you got to have a budget. And having a budget is true no matter how much you make. It's true no matter if you're in this tax bracket or this tax bracket, you still have to budget because that money will come in and flow right through your fingers if you are unaware of where it's going because of a lack of a budget. You know, 83% of Americans overspend. So, Americans actually say, yeah, we do have a budget. We just don't need it. <laughs> we spend more than what we budget, and we use credit cards to cover the difference which ultimately places us in debt. And all these things, earning, spending, and the next one, which is savings, they play into each other. So what are we saving? Again, we can't spend all we have. You know, I was a little kid. I get money, listen, my pocket would be burning, I got to spend that money. 
Can we go to the store? I got to get a Hot Wheels or a Matchbox. I got to get a WWF. It wasn't even uh, a little wrestling man. I got to get something. Pockets were burning. Well, the problem with that was like, okay, well, you know, teach some principles at a young age. But the problem is when we take that same mindset and we become older and our pockets still burn. And as soon as it comes in, it goes out. And in some cases... It hadn't even came in yet, but we've already said, yeah, I'm going to move this over here. I'm going to do that over there. This is going to help me out next week. And so it's already accounted for before we have even gotten it. You're like, no, nah, I don't know. February, March, that refund. <laughs> you already been planning the vacation for June off of that. Come on, don't act like this ain't happening. Don't, don't do me like that this morning. Thank you. <laughs> Look at Proverbs 21, verse 20. Wise people's houses are full of the best foods and olive oil, but fools waste everything they have. So scripture is saying it is foolish to spend all you have. It is foolish to say, I'm not going to budget. I'm not going to be aware of where my money is going, and I'm just going to spend it all. The Bible says that it's foolish, so we need to save. And you can start very simple. There's lots of help and resources out there these days. It's, it's not like how it was. I mean, there, there's so many resources that are available. But say, hey, we're going to establish an emergency fund, separate from just your savings. But this is for emergencies that we did not see coming. Start with $1,000 and let it build, let it, let it grow. Be intentional with how you build that. You know, in this community, you know, these last number of days, the number one question, are we going to shut down? Is the government going to shut down? Is it not? Because that impacts this community in a certain way. Well, then that becomes very important where we sit down and say, do I have three to six months saved up just in case folks don't want to do what they're supposed to do up there? Right? So it really becomes real in that moment that says, well, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going to be able to live free because I'm not so concerned about that in that moment because I'm saving. It, it's learning the art of delayed gratification and saying, like, I want, listen, that's, that's one for me because when I see it, I want it. And if you were here last week, you understood, like, you know, when Katie and I got engaged and then... You know, we, we combined our, our bank accounts early because it was easier to pay for all the things. And so she started managing uh, our, our finances, paying the bills and all that. And so she's like, hey, uh, you know, shoot me all the bills you have. And then she's like, okay, I'm looking at the schedule, but I'm not understanding your schedule. And I was like, oh, here's how my schedule um, goes. They can't get what I ain't got. <laughs> and so... What's currency for me was, hey, I got you next week. That's a form of payment. <laughs> we can't operate like that, right? So you have to have a budget. You have to have an understanding. You have to learn delayed gratification. There's something right now that I've been wanting for like the last year and a half. And guys, I'm like one week away that the money's going to go over there and boom, I got the whole total that I can now go and get it. Now... Could I have already purchased it? Yes, the money was already there, 
but it wasn't budgeted. It wasn't the priority. That was I want, not I need. And so I had to budget for that. Was, is there a risk that it was going to be there? Yeah. But oh well, find something else you like or that you want. And not budget on just what they say is the sticker. Hey, calculate those taxes for me because you got to pay those with it as well. So I have the, the tax, the, the installed everything amount. And so then when, when that time's come, I'll walk in there. I'm like, boom, here you go. But it was learning the art of delayed gratification. So there's, there's saving. There's also investing. Learning to have your money work for you. And this is true no matter your age, but there's such an advantage the younger you are. You know, you're 22, 23, 24, 25, whatever your age is, and, and maybe you're early uh, in your career there's such an advantage of, you know, saying, hey, you know, the coffee runs, I'm going to eliminate that. I'm just going to, you know, treat myself, treat yourself on Friday. But the rest of the time, that same money that I'm spending on whatever, eating out this, that, and the other, Uber Eats, whatever you do, I'm going to save that money and I'm going to invest that money. Think about you start that at the age of 24, 25, whatever, and think about what that looks like at 55, at 60, at 65, so on and so forth all from a small amount of what it compounds over time and the typical overtime 7% that you can get on that. But it's having a mindset that I'm going to allow what I have to work for me. Now, this next one, this last one, financial advisors typically as much really when talk to you about it is it's giving. But that's something that I would say you should consider. Consider giving. Americans gave 1.7% of their personal disposable income to charity in 2022. Christians gave at a rate of 2.5% of their income. And so we have to learn the art of giving. And there's different things that, that you know, you, you'll see throughout the year, Giving Tuesday, things of that nature uh, that we do. But that's what I would advise for us to pay attention uh, to all these areas from earning, spending, saving, investing, and giving. Now, that's a conversation from a practical perspective, right? That's the conversation from a natural perspective, but finances is much more than natural. It's m- much more than just what we see on the surface, but it goes beneath that. Because as Christians, we know that we don't just live in the natural, but we live in the supernatural. We talked about this last week when we were talking about offense, is that oftentimes we get so upset with the person, and we make that person our opposition, or we make that person our enemy, but it's understanding that that person is not our enemy, Satan is. Why? Because Ephesians chapter 6 reminds us that there are unseen forces and elements that are actually operating in the earth that are behind that. So it's not them, but it's the spirit that's behind them. Well, that tells us uh, with, with finances that it's not just the practical, yes, but there's also a supernatural approach that we can have towards personal finances, that we can have towards money, meaning that there's more to the story. Look at Haggai chapter 1, verse five, verses 5 through 7. It says this, Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. 
give careful thought to your ways. So understanding that there's a way that we have, there's a way of the world in our approach that we take to finances, to money. You have planted much. So you've done a lot. You've planted much, but yet you still have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. So there's a way that we have when it comes to finances, when it comes to, to stewardship, when it comes to money. But look at verse 7. This is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways, meaning this, there is a way to finances that we have, but there's a way that the Lord is trying to lead us into, and that's the understanding that we need to go beyond the natural when we look at finances. 1 Corinthians 1.20, it says, where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? So the world will say, well, God's approach to money is foolish. It doesn't make sense. It's stupid. It's dumb. Whatever way they want to describe it. But here's what the Lord says. He says, I call what the world calls wisdom, I call it foolish. Because the world is only going to look at it from a natural perspective. But I'm trying to get you up to the supernatural way, a different approach of looking beyond the numbers, be looking, looking beyond the way that we handle money, because we all have a way with money. And this conversation isn't just about the numbers and how we handle money. Is that important? Well, yes, of course it is. If it wasn't, then we wouldn't would not have entitled this conversation, get my money right. So yes, it's important, but it's for us to stop looking at it from our perspective of just numbers. And really go beyond the numbers because the reality is this family, it's never about the numbers, but here's what it's about. It's about the heart. So here's, here's what we got to do. We got to get to the heart of the matter. And, and that's where I want to take us for the next few moments that we have together today. Y'all okay? You good? You all right? All right, let's do this. So, so here's the first thing I want us to pay attention to is that we have to choose calling over compensation. We have to choose calling over compensation. Remember, it's beyond the money. It's beyond the dollars. So it's saying, I'm choosing calling over compensation. Choosing calling will bring far more fulfillment than compensation will ever bring. Because there are many in this room that you probably received a promotion. You started a new job that paid you significantly more than the job you had, and you got over there, and you said, can I go back? Because the paycheck wasn't doing it. Because what you didn't realize, that that promotion, it cost you your sanity. What you didn't realize with that promotion, it cost you the time with your family. What you didn't realize, that promotion cost you the things that you said you would never put on the altar to be sacrificed. But yet, because of that promotion and the demand of that, because they will give you the promotion, but what they won't tell you is what they will take from you. And so it's having a mindset of saying, I'm choosing calling over perspective, excuse me, over compensation. There is a perspective shift that is needed. 
of having a mindset to choose calling over compensation. It's a perspective that says, I'm not going to chase the bag, but I'm going to chase purpose instead. Because when you chase purpose, when you pursue purpose, when you understand that my, my, my reason for living, my purpose on the earth is to know God and to make him known, then the pers- perspective says, I'm pursuing that rather than compensation trusting God because I'm doing what he's called me to do from the moment, as Jeremiah talks about, that he formed me uh, in my mother's womb, that he's going to provide and bring every provision that I need. And so I don't have to pimp out my life to get what I need. Instead, I choose purpose, knowing that God is going to provide and bring everything that I need. Because chasing the bag will not bring fulfillment. Chasing the compensation will not bring purpose or meaning. And you say, well, that's easy for you to say, but you don't see the bills that I have. And I don't, but I've walked this before. Many of you may have heard this, but I've talked about it here a few times. That prior to full-time ministry, I was a contract analyst for the federal government. And um, I like my salary. (laughs) And... uh, it, it, it had, you know, a path to grow, and I like, I appreciated that path. Uh, but there was also this collision course that I was on where God was redirecting my life, and that was the full-time ministry. That was to serve people uh, in a greater way and to, and to live, pe- live with people in the trenches in a, in a different way in full-time ministry. And so I'm stepping back, and I'm looking, and I'm like, hold on now. I mean, I feel that from a heart thing. <laughs> I feel it, Lord. I feel it too. I get it. But the natural thing, I got some questions. Because, you know, I got a checking in the savings, <laughs> that thing. And, and what I was making then and even, you know, as I would have continued in my career, ministry don't be doing that. Yes, I, I'm using that language like that. <laughs> ministry doesn't do that. It's different. You got to ignore the 0.1% you see on TV and social media because that ain't, that ain't it, okay? And I'm like, Lord, we, we, we're married, just got married, got a kid, like, kid on the way, got a mortgage. And you said, what? But can I, t- can I tell you this, family? I knew this is what the Lord was doing, so I chose calling over compensation. And can I tell you, in the nearly 10 years of that decision, not once have, has our family gone without. Not once have we missed anything that we needed. Not once did our kids not get to go on vacation, not have the new shoes, not get the haircut, not experience the things that we always dream and wanted for them to experience because there was this understanding Because I'm choosing to connect with purpose, connect with calling, God's going to provide everything else. He's not asking me to do this to cause my life to look a certain way that it didn't have to look. But what happens is we analyze things in the natural and we discount what God can do supernaturally. And instead of making that decision in faith, we make it through what we analyze and we miss what God can do. So it goes back to that, that verse in 1 Corinthians 20 where he says, where is the wise person? Oh, we in Huntsville, we got PhDs everywhere. 
man, we, we put people on the moon. We, we know this. We're going to do it again. Like, I, I've got all the wisdom in the world, but we discount what the Lord can do. And I like what Paul says in Acts 20, verse 24. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul was saying that purpose was important for me. It wasn't about anything else. It wasn't about all the other noise. It wasn't about all the other things. But it was calling that was important for me. That's why we got to choose calling over compensation. Learn, here's, here's the next thing. We've got to learn to be content with what you have. You know, we live in a, you know, Western culture that's very consumeristic. It's all about get, 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 attain, 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 more, more, more. It's all about all of what you can get, all of what you can gain. It's a culture that's constantly telling us that we need more, but the reality is we don't need more. Because you know what? When you get more, you got to figure out what to do with more. <laughs> now, you don't have to raise your hand in here, but how many in here can, if you have a garage, can you park in a garage? <laughs> got three car garages, can't get one vehicle in. It is time for a yard sale. Oh, but I had this. You hadn't seen it until we came out here. And now all of a sudden it means a lot. So you know it don't. Donate it. You can Google a local thrift store and get it out of there. You don't, you don't need it. Well, when the kids get older, they, go, they don't want it. They, they don't even remember the story behind it. It's for you. <laughs> But we've got to learn to be content with what we have. You don't need the new house. You really don't. You don't. Just change out some light fixtures. You'll feel good about it. Get you some new light fixtures. Add a new paint color on there. Get online. See what's trending. See what's the latest paint color. It'll make it look good. You, you don't need it. You know you got locked in on that 2.75. Don't get that up right now. <laughs> Sit down. All the realtors in the room are like, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't need the new car. Just go get it detailed. Like, no, don't, don't run it through the superwash thing. Like, go get it detailed. Like, let them keep it for about three hours. Guess what? You're not going to want a new car anymore. You're going to be like, who car is this? That's, gonna be your, that's yours. And it's going to feel new, right? Just be content. You don't need to go to Hawaii. That's great, but come on, let's go to Destin together. <laughs> they have seafood as well. I'm about to go Monday. I'm going to eat some too. I'm going to tell my kids this is Hawaii, you know? <laughs> but you just got to be content, man. And not look at social media and think that, that your life has to look like that because can't tell you, it is, it is so fake. But here, it's such a trap because we know it's fake, but we still live as though it's real. Because it's like mentally we can't like filter the fact that it's, it's not. And so then we see it and then we look at our lives right now in the moment and we're like, oh man, I'm losing. And so then what happens is that we go make decisions that we should not have made based on something that was not even real. Like I saw this one video uh, maybe like a year ago, of this guy, I don't even know who he was, but he was pretending 
uh, to hop out of a helicopter. I don't know if y'all saw it, but his cameraman wasn't even good because we could tell that the door was never even open. But he was flexing like he was traveling in the helicopter and he had his little luggage with him. He's like, either you the luggage or you the luggage. I'm like, well, first of all, that don't even make sense. But somebody saw that and was like, oh, man, I don't have a helicopter. I mean, neither does he. It was fake. But y'all understand what I'm saying, right? So we see these things and we live through that lens. And then we go make decisions off of that instead of being content. Look at Luke 12, 15. It says, and he said to them, watch out and guard yourselves from all greediness, because not even when someone has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. So in other words, life is so much more than what you have. And you should never try to apply value to your life based on what you have. So do not feel that you have missed it because you have an apartment. I don't own. Don't feel that you missed it because your home is, is 25 years old and 1,200 square feet and it's not 4,000 square feet like the other person. Because none of those things define your life. None of those things bring definition to your life. They, those things could be here now and gone in the next moment. But what defines your life, family, is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That the value that was applied to your life, that when God said, what do we need to do to save humanity? He chose his one and only son to come down to earth, to put skin on, to live this life, to be ridiculed, to be beaten, to be lied on, to die on a cross, to get out of the grave for you and I. That's the definition of your life. That's what brings purpose. That's what brings meaning, not what you have or what you don't have. So don't go chasing everything because even if you get it, it's not going to define your life. You can look at entertainers. You can look at politicians. You can look at athletes. You can look at whoever you want to who seem to have it all. They have the world at their fingertips. They have all the money, all the resources, all the fame. But yet there are people who have taken their life because those things did not fulfill them. Those things did not bring everything that they needed because that's only found in Jesus. Listen, what defines your life is not what possessions you seek, but rather whose presence you seek. Are you seeking the presence of God? Seek first the kingdom and its righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. That doesn't mean, okay, I'm seeking you so that I can get. No, I'm seeking you because you are everything there is to get. That I'm living with you. That means to put Jesus at the center of your life. To live in a certain way, in a way that says whether I have little or have much, I have everything I need. Why? Hebrews 13.5 reminds us, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said Never will I leave you, nor will I forsake you. Family, that's it. That's the promise. That's the place that we need to live from. Not in how much we have, but in whose presence is there. Here's an understanding we need. Your money won't save you. 
Do not live thinking your money will supply the security that you need. Because some of us, we do so much to store up. And what we do, we create this belief that, well, I, I now have security because of all the different things that I've stored up. And then that becomes a slippery slope because what, what oftentimes what that leads to is this thinking, well, I don't need God. Because of look at what I have. Look at the fame I have. Look at the money I have. Look at the resources I have. Look at who I know. So, so what do I need God for? That's why it's not uncommon for those who are wealthy to have a hard time with faith because in their mind they have what they need. I don't need to believe for it. I just snap my fingers and there it is. But the truth is, no matter if you have little or much, we are sheep. That's what the Bible calls us. Jesus says, my sheep, they hear my voice and they come running to me. We are sheep. And how do sheep live? Sheep live dependent on the shepherd. Sheep do not live independent lives. Sheep need the shepherd for care. They need the shepherd for protection. They need the shepherd for food. They need the shepherd for shelter. They depend on the shepherd. And that's how we have to live. Not with this mindset that, yes, I've invested well, and I'm going to retire, and I got a couple million, and I'm good now, and because of that, I have security. Family, it takes one crazy stock market season to just wipe all of those earnings out, and you find yourself at 65 asking, what in the world am I going to do? Because that is not the place of security, but security is in him. Look at Proverbs 30, 8 and 9. Keep me from lying and being dishonest. And don't make me either rich or poor. Just give me enough food for each day. If I have too much, I might reject you and say, I don't know the Lord. If I am poor, I might steal and disgrace the name of my God. What is this saying here? It's saying this. It's reminding us of this, that God is our provider. So go make your money. You say, Are you, man, this sounds like you're anti-money. I'm not. You should make as much money as you can as long as you do not lose the principles and the values of the Lord that you're supposed to live by. So make the money. Just don't lose your soul in the process. Just don't lose your way in the process. And after you make, it, make the money while you're making the money, can I tell you this? Uh, let us get a week at the vacation house you buy. <laughs> so I'm saying make your money. You get your boat. Hey, take us on the boat. Don't go too fast. There's too much water to drink, but take us on the boat, right? So make the money. This is not anti-money, but this is understanding that the money is not the thing that gives me comfort, that makes me content, that makes me feel uh, to have fulfilling and have purpose. But all that is found in the Lord. Here's this thing I want to talk about. Think stewardship, not ownership. Stewardship not ownership. You know, we give our kids uh, money, and, you know, I just mess with them. It's like, hey, we're going to go to the store. You're going to uh, buy me something with your money? No. <laughs> like, hold on. You little crumb snatcher. <laughs> I just gave you the money you have, and you can't even buy your dad a piece of candy. I can't even get a Twix? They're like, no. I'm like, you don't own anything. That's not your room. 
That's not your shirt. Those are not your shoes. That's not your toothbrush. You don't use it like it's yours, but I mean, it's not your toothbrush. That's not your food. It's mine. <laughs> I, I was always waiting to the point that I could say that back to somebody else. <laughs> what am I saying? They are stewards. We are stewards. We don't own anything. We are stewarding what the Lord has given us. You know, that extends to everywhere my life, your life, is not our own. The breath is borrowed. So it's a stewardship thing, not an ownership thing that we have to understand. Look at what Moses says. He says, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors, as it is today. So Moses, he gives the people a warning to not forget God. Because there will come a day when they will have success and wealth. And they're supposed to remember God in that day and not think because of what they have done that they have gotten there on their own. And so we have to understand that we're not owners, but we're stewarding. So the money, the finances, your life, the talent, the treasure, everything that we have, it belongs to the Lord. The earth is the Lord in the fullness thereof. This is all of his. It's for him. It's by him. It's through him. And so we have to understand that we are stewards and not owners. And when you know, when we have the perspective and the understanding that we're stewards, how we handle things becomes different because this is not ours. It's the parable of the talents. Well, you have given me this, then I need to reproduce more with what you have entrusted me with. We don't need to be like the ones like, well, Lord, because you gave me this, I just decided to bury it. No, I need to steward it well to make an eternal impact. It's like you ever watch someone's kids? You might let your kids run a little bit, you know, crazier than the other person's kid that you're watching. Because you're stewarding that moment right now. you got to make sure that you don't have to make a call like, hey, so we in the ER. So it's having that perspective that what God has placed in my hands, I'm a steward of, not an owner of. And when you understand that you are stewarding, it causes you to be intentional in your approach, knowing that God is the owner and I am the manager. Are you tracking with me this morning? Here's the last one I want to talk about today. Is that generosity is my opportunity. Generosity is my opportunity. It's actually one of the values of our church is that we look for ways as a church, as a community, uh, to be generous. And I don't know if you've noticed this, that the people who are the most uptight, the people who are the most unpleasant to be around are always the stingiest people. It's like you see them, they just got a built-in stank face. Like you smelling something that's off. They're just unpleasant, just stingy, just uptight. But people who are always looking for opportunities to give, they're just so nice, just always smiling, speaking to you first, just so pleasant. Well, why is that? Look at Acts 20, 35. It says, in everything I did, I show you that by this kind of hard work that we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That's why. Because something happens when we have a heart to give and not just receive. 
That word blessed, it means happy. That's why those people are different, because they're happy. Because Scripture says it is more happy to give than to receive. Those who are the happiest are the ones who give. Why? Because you know that you're living in a way that's making a difference. Because that's what giving does. It makes a difference. It meets a need. It allows someone to see hope. It allows someone to see Jesus in a way that they may not have seen because you chose to be generous in a moment. And I'm thankful that we are part of a generous church. Do you know this? You're generous. This community is generous. We're, we're 19 months old. It's a very, there's some supernatural things that's happening here. It, it, it's not normal. It's really not. We're going to talk about that next Sunday, a Vision Sunday. So I'm going to invite you to come on back and bring a few people with you. But it's, it's not normal. And I'm blown away by that. You're generous. You are. And, and, we, and we show that in so many ways through I Love My City that happens every first uh, Saturday of each month. But I think about last year when we had the opportunity to provide Christmas uh, for a family who the previous year uh, the father had passed away. And so we were able to, uh, found out about that, and we were able to rally around that family and provide Christmas for them. And the joy and the excitement, of course it did not feel what was lost, of course that. But just the joy and the excitement of being seen and knowing that somebody cared made such a big difference. But you know who also it made a difference in? For some of those, especially those who went over to deliver everything, they were impacted in such a great way because there was something supernatural that happened of like, yes, Scripture is right. There's something amazing that happens when we live to give. I think about the over 3,000 people between the two food pantries that we've been a part of as a church that we've had a chance to feed. Real people with real stories and, and different pasts and different moments and things in life that have happened that they didn't expect themselves to be in a line to receive food, but yet here they were, and there was no judgment, there was no shame, there was no questions asked, that we just showed up as a church community ready to serve, ready to pray and make a difference. We have to live with that perspective and that mindset that generosity is my opportunity. And so throughout this week, let's look for ways to be generous. You say, well, I have needs. Well, God is the one who supplies your needs. Just look for a way to be generous. Generous. Look for a way. If you go out to lunch today, leave a really good tip. Well, the food wasn't that great. Oh, I'm about to say something. Somebody going to leave the church off of this. When you, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say it. All right, here we go. The Holy Spirit was like, uh-uh. <laughs> Big. He said, don't do it. I mean, it wasn't bad, but I didn't need to do it. All right, here we go. If at the end you can ask me and I'll tell you. It would have been funny. It just, it just wouldn't have been good, right? <laughs> when we give, we make a difference. And we give people an opportunity to know Jesus. And it's also knowing this, that the meaning, Matthew, come help me. Please, Matthew, come help me. Because I'm losing it at the end, so come on and help me. The meaning of my life is not predicated on how much I can accomplish or attain, but how much of my life that I can give away. That brings meaning to my life. Not how much I can get, but how much I can give away. 
And I'm not talking about just money. I'm talking about, yes, literally your, 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 like your life, yourself, your time, how, how, how your treasure, right, your talent. How, like, how, how can you give that away? What are you using to make that statement? Well, in Mark 10, 45, Jesus says that the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And who is Jesus? Philippians lets us know he's our great example. So that's the example, family, that we're to live, that we're to follow. How can I live in a way to give my life away? And that is where meaning comes. Because I said that calling and purpose is defined by this, knowing God, but then making him known. The making him known part is the unique way that he wants to use you in the earth to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. And if it's a God dream, if it's a God purpose, is going to require you to give you away. Every God dream requires that. Every purpose, everything that is actually from the Lord, it's going to require giving ourselves away. Because there are no dreams from the Lord that he places, God dreams that he places in our heart that are not for people. Because people are his plan. And he's redeeming his people. And he uses people in the process. That's why James even says, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. Meaning people together in community that's rooted in the Lord brings healing. So meaning people is the plan and people are who he wants to bless. So it requires us to give our lives away. Here's a scripture I want to close with this morning. This morning. It's 1 Timothy 6, same chapter we open up to, but 18 and 19. And this is Paul talking to Timothy from mentor to mentee. Timothy is a young pastor of a significant church in the city of Ephesus. He says this, Paul says, listen, command them to do good to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So what is that saying? That there's a different way. That is beyond the numbers. He says to take hold of the life that is truly life. That means there's a, a way of life that's not truly life. And that's looking at this from an earthly and worldly perspective. But to go beyond the numbers and to gain the perspective that is truly life, that the Lord is looking at the heart, that he's looking at faith, He's looking at the confidence and our understanding to not just say, Lord, I want to surrender my eternity, trust you with my eternity, but to also trust you with my finances. It's beyond that. It's calling over compensation. It's choosing to be content. It's looking at generosity as our opportunity. And to get to this place of understanding that God's way 